0: Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey, everyone. This is Chris. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week. Every week, you and I are on a journey together. We have this opportunity every week to be able to talk, to learn, to grow, and to help each other to be better fathers. And I love going on this journey with you because no matter if you have kids that are brand new, or if they're in their teenage years, or if they're adults, you're always going to be a father. And there's always going to be something that you can learn, always going to be something that you can do to be able to stay engaged, stay present, and do all kinds of things to be able to stay in the lives of your kids. And that's what's the most important. I love bringing you different guests, different dads, different people that are walking different paths, but they have things that they can share with you to help you in this journey that you're on. This week, we've got another great guest with us. Jonathan Ramirez is with us. and Jonathan is a father to a brand new daughter that was born in August of this year. So brand new dad. He's also a project intern at IC Stars in Chicago. He's a freelance photographer. He's done, been doing that a little bit. He's done a lot of different things. We're going to talk about some experience that he's had working at a restaurant and learning from other dads. So we're gonna have a great conversation today. I'm really looking forward to be able to have him here and to share his experience with you. Jonathan Singh, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much, Chris, for that introduction. And I'm honored to be here. I really, really am. I enjoy podcasts. I've watched already a couple when I heard about it, and I got some great advice through here. Thank you for having me.
0: Now, usually when I have dads on, they're not always as young of fathers in regards to the fact of having their child just recently. But one of the first questions that I love to ask is to turn the clock back in time. Now, you don't have to turn it back as far, probably, as some of the, some of the dads that I talked to. But let's turn the clock back to that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head?
1: Yeah, it's not that far ago. I think I felt the same way when I heard the heartbeat, like, as soon as they told us the gender, my heart melted and I was like, ah, oh, I'm stuck. It's over with I already love her mom so much. And I do everything and anything I can. I just know that same love was going to be the same for my daughter. Like it's going to be a little mini her. And I'm like, I- I'm not going to have time for myself anymore. <laughs> Cause I-, I run around now, like crazy for Savannah. And now I'm going to be doing it for Bella Rose for sure.
0: Now, I guess for you so far, as you think about being a father to a daughter there, I talk to a lot of dads and a lot of dads say that there's some fear that goes along not only with being a new parent, but being a father to a daughter as well. What's your biggest fear in raising a daughter?
1: That's a good question. I've been thinking about that every single day since. There's several fears. Number one, I've seen so many people just disrespect women just because they're women. You know, like just the fact that they're women, they all talk over them. Or they'll belittle them. And in the conversation, I see Savannah when I see my daughter, to be honest. And she is someone that's been spoken over, over and over and over. And, and her voice might be small, but she has a lot of value in what she does say because she's incredibly intelligent. She's in college right now to be a psychiatrist, but I see how she's been treated. I've seen how she's been treated by her. Teachers or professors, just because she's a female. I've seen how she's been treated by her exes and my own sister as well, growing up with her. She's only like two years younger than me. I mean, I've seen how tough it is for women and all the differences for men. And my fear is I don't know how I would explain how to teach her that, how to teach her that look, what how they see you, how they treat you is not because of you. It's a social norm that's evolved over time. And I want to be able to show her how to overcome that but not being a female myself, I don't know exactly how she would do that. Like mine would be theory, not experience. So I guess that's one of my fears. Another fear is just her coming to me and telling me how heartbroken she is for the first time. And I know she's only two months, but yeah, I think about it. It's like, man, am I going to have to go and like like, go talk to someone's parents and be like, hey, you check your kid or something. Or I don't know how far I'm going to go. I'm going to be the crazy dad, you know? So I just don't want to see her with her tears looking at me, looking for a solution. And I don't have one. And I'm afraid that, I, that when she comes to me for that help, that I'm clueless. I don't want to be the clueless father. I want to be like, OK, let's figure this out together, you know, and let's go find you whatever you need. I think those are probably the fears that I've actually been thinking about. I'm sure there's probably others that I haven't thought about because I'm, you know, a new dad. But for now, these are the things that flag my mind, I guess, every now and then when I think of the future.
0: One of the things that I would love for you to talk about too is you have a child now and every person, as they enter into fatherhood, have to define for yourself what it means to be a father, but then also what it means to... Be a part of a family, a culture, and being able to inculcate that into your own children and allow for your children to be able to understand what it means to be a part of the larger family or your larger culture. For you, how do you hope to introduce your daughter as she grows older to your culture, your family, and be able to? Instill the values that are important to you.
1: So that is one of the main things that I uh, hold very highly is family, is respect, and also I think I was just going to be involved like I usually am because our family is pretty big, and so there's certain parts of our family that have disappeared and fallen off. That's because they just don't feel like they want to come out to the parties, or not just parties, but get-togethers, celebrations, and what have you, when the whole family gets together. I did that growing up. Every single Christmas, we went as as a whole family, like cousins, aunts, uncles. And not only that, when my mom was going through hard times and we couldn't find the rent, or we got kicked out of the house, or she couldn't get to work because she just got in a car accident, I got in like seven car accidents. (laughs) Sorry, if you're listening to this. But the thing that instilled in us was, she was always able to rely on that family. She was always able to call her sister, my aunt or her brother, my uncle. And I seen it with my own eyes, how powerful that was. When we didn't have the rent to afford an apartment, I mean, we went to my aunt's house and lived there for a couple months. And that growing up was huge to me. Like, man, this is the power of community. This is the power of family. And I hope I'm not able to not pay the rent and having to show her that way. But I do wish to show her that family is important by being involved in family and maybe even helping other family members. Maybe that's the way I can show her. I'm glad you said that because now I have that solution in my head for whenever that does come about. But um, another thing is the respect. That is something that a lot of people don't, I feel, I don't know, I don't want to generalize, but I feel like respect has not been a priority. For a lot of people in recent times, around me, around of people I talk to, and and that's I wish I could teach her that, but not in a way that I was taught. I guess I would have to ask other fathers, because I I don't have the answer how I would do it because I haven't done that experience yet. But the experience that I had, I did not feel like that was the right way to learn. Respect. And
0: do you have any ideas? I know you said that you want to talk to other dads, but you said that there are things that you do not want to pass on. What are some of those things that you don't want to pass on that are you're trying to break the cycle in a way?
1: So I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory before I answer that question. My mom's a single mom, and I was four years old. My brother was three years old, and my sister's one year old. And my mom was a single mom, and she had to work two jobs to afford everything. That was the position I was in when my mom needed help at home. And who is she gonna ask? She's gonna ask her oldest son and that's me. So I was the one who had to get my brothers and sisters up or sometimes they'd have to get me up, but most of the time I was cooking for them and I was always rushing them because my mom was always rushing me and that's something that stuck with me. I feel like I gained a lot of good things out of that through those experiences. Like I I love being on time. I do not like, being late and it bugs me to the core i mean like team management i call it team management but really it was just me telling my brothers god let's go we're going we're late for school you know i'm only a year older than them and i'm yelling at her get ready what are you guys doing you're gonna get me in trouble with moms and it has affected me because like savannah is the total opposite she is late everywhere she goes, and it bugs me, and bugs me to a point where it's not a good thing. It's like, come on, babe! I swear we said we were gonna be there five minutes ago, and I do not wish to pass that along to my daughter. I don't want that that stress to consume her because she feels that she needs to be on. Savannah is so carefree, and I envy her for that. And I hope our daughter can find an in between, uh, like being on time and respectful but not stressing overly too much like I do. And the only way I can see that actually, me not actually passing the answer is working on myself. I'm a role model and I don't want to be the role model that says and not does.
0: Appreciate you sharing that. And it's definitely, you know, each father, each person that has a child brings their own history, their own baggage, the things that they have to work through. And it's not always easy. And some people have more than others that you have to be able to work on internally. You have to work with other people on. And as you think about that for yourself, it sounds like you do have some that you're working on and that you're going to continue working on to make sure that, that you break that cycle. And, and that's a good thing. So I just commend you for doing the work. It's not going to be easy but it is a day-by-day thing that you'll have to work on as you are trying to be that best dad that you want to be.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Now, I know that you are doing a lot of different things. You are, you know, you're an intern at IC Stars. You are, I mentioned you're a photographer, but you also have worked at a restaurant. I mean, you're, you got a lot of plates in the air. You're a dad, you're supporting, you're a your significant other. So talk to me about balance and how do you balance all of that and still be able to stay engaged with your young daughter?
1: Actually, I have put up the photography hat because I actually do paint and sips. I have my own business and I am currently trying to only do libraries for free. I want to turn into a not-for-profit because libraries were my, um, my escape as a childhood and I want to give back to them. And the way I balance it is, so I still work at the restaurant. I work every weekend. So I got to break down my schedule, too. Monday through Friday, from 8 to 8, I'm an IC Stars intern. And I get there an hour early and sometimes more because I take the bus at 5.30 in the morning. And when I get home, I don't get home till around 9, 9.30 at night. And that's the time as soon as I walk in, I say hi to Savannah, give her a hug, and I let her know that I miss her. Throughout the day, I text her that I love her, and we keep each other updated. But the first thing that I do right after is I hold my baby. And I spend time, 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how long I get stuck staring at her, because I just love staring at her. I mean, I could get lost just messing with her, just looking at her and playing with her little hand. Know she's so tiny, but I know I still have work to do. So I make sure I spend that time so she can see my face. I don't want her four months down the road, be like, who's this guy? I haven't met this guy yet. So I make sure she sees me every night. I got really great advice from a doula. And she said, when you get home, create that routine with your daughter. And I took that to heart and I have been trying my very best every single night I get home to hold my baby right after I give my hug and my kiss to Savannah. Then Saturday I work a double at Cooper's Hawk almost every Saturday. And I don't start till 10, 30 to 11. So the mornings is my time to be with the baby. And that's when I get to give Savannah a break from constantly feeding and waking up to put down the baby. That's my time to shine. I, I wake up really early every day anyways. So I'll get up early around five, six, seven, depending on how I feel. Because Saturday is like a day, and depending on if the baby wakes up. But if the baby wakes up that morning, I make sure I'm the one who holds her. I get the baby bottle and i feed her i let savannah sleep in basically because she is a notorious person she before the baby she would sleep until like three in the afternoon and now she can't do it and i feel so bad but on those saturdays she gets to sleep in then i go to work and then when i come back i do the same thing i hold my baby right after being with savannah for a bit and those saturday mornings i also make breakfast because i know Savannah deserves, you know, that treat. Uh, Not a treat, but Savannah deserves me being more involved. And she's doing something incredible for me. And by holding down um, the house and the things that I can't take care of myself for now. And then Sundays, I try to only take one shift at the restaurant. And I try to move it either afternoon or night, depending on what we have planned. Like this Sunday, we have a double date with another couple that we have met. And that's another great advice I got from the restaurant. They're like, "Hey, remember, you guys are a couple. You need to go on dates and stuff." So since the baby's so young, we met a couple that has also a very young baby. I think their baby's only seven weeks older than ours. And so we're we're gonna have like a play date for the babies, which they're not really gonna play. But it's more like for us to get together and enjoy some time together as a group. And and my business, I don't try to over schedule myself because I do have a lot of things on my plate. So for the pan sips, I try to do one every two to three months. So I don't overwhelm myself. It's not about the money. Yeah, the money's great, but I need to think about my family. I just, I want to be able to be there and not just support. I want to actually be there.
0: Have you ever had the experience where your child comes home frustrated and struggling with math homework? Well, worry no more. I'm excited to tell you about a game changer to help your kids, Interactive Mathematics. What I love about this company is that it was started by a passionate math professor and lifelong educator. Interactive Mathematics is dedicated to eliminating math struggles, and it's trusted by top institutions like Harvard, MIT, and Stanford, and their free online math content is here to make a difference in your child's education. So what sets them apart? Well, in my opinion, it's their AI Math Solver. You get step-by-step help for math homework and test prep right at your fingertips. It's like having a personal tutor available 24-7. And speaking of tutors, their on-demand math tutoring service is not only top-notch, but also available at a fraction of the cost of traditional hourly tutoring. So help your child excel at math with interactive mathematics. Don't let math be a roadblock. Let it be the gateway to success. Go to intmath.com right now and give it a try for free. So You've been mentioning the restaurant, and I know that that's one of the things that you do, as you mentioned, and it takes up quite a bit of time. But as you've been working there, you and I were talking about that you've been doing some kind of Really kind of unique things as your significant other was pregnant. And before your child was born, you started talking to people and asking people questions. And you learned some things and you mentioned a couple of the things, but talk to me about some of the biggest things and the biggest takeaways that you took from those conversations that you had in the restaurant with those patrons.
1: Of course. I mean, there they throw baby showers. And I, I'm a banquet server at times. So I've gotten to, to see people excited, waiting for their baby. But I've also seen a lot of patrons with kids already. And so I serve about, I want to say, 15 tables a night. And out of those 15, maybe 13 of them have kids. And every single table that I see with kids, I do ask them, like, hey, I'm about to be a father. And they're like, oh, congratulations. I'm like, man, is there any advice that you can give me as a new parent. And a lot of it was the same, was, yeah, you got to look tough for yourself. You have to make sure that when the baby's crying, you don't squeeze the stomach, you pat her on the back. Like I got these like very specific things that I think they were dealing with and that they were struggling with that they told me about. The one that really got to me and that really works for me, actually, like I've been doing it is, look, when you try to figure out what the, the baby Is crying for and you change her diaper and you burped her and you fed her and everything's done and she's still crying. Just bounce. That's all they want. They want you to hold her and bounce. And I do. I get I get up and I I just like kind of bend my knees a little bit and bounce a little bit and she just loves it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I will. (laughs) That guy. I thought that that advice at the moment was just oh, this guy's a whack job. But no, I mean that guy's a genius. I mean it worked wonders for me. And I mean. One of the craziest things I heard was like, find a find a babysitter or something. Freeze as much milk as you can. And that was crazy at the time. But now that I'm in the moment, I see why. I understand why we need to freeze the milk because she don't have to keep getting up. I can help her out now. It's like, oh, don't worry, babe, I can feed her. You know, I can't magically produce milk. So now that she froze some, I can actually help her. I should actually be there for her. And I think those are the main things that I really, really utilized. And And I'm still asking. I, I tell everybody, hey, I'm a new dad. You know, like I try to get new advice every day I go.
0: I love that you did that because that's not something that everybody would think about doing, but it's a great concept. And it's definitely allows you to build a community around you that you can turn to. and And that's important that we've, we've talked about that so many times on the show, the importance of having a community of dads around you that you can turn to, whether they're, they're close friends, whether they're just people that you know, that you can turn to, whether it's family members, whatever it is, it's important to have that for yourself because it, it does make sure to give you things that you can then turn to. And when you're struggling, because there's that, there's always going to be a point in time when you will struggle as a dad, as a new father, as a father, as you're going through the different stages in your child's life, there will be times that you will struggle and it will get better. Then it might get worse. And, you know, there's this kind of roller coaster that you end up being on with your child and you just have to know that that's coming, but having people around you is definitely going to be something that is going to help you along the way. As a new dad right now, what would you say has been the hardest part for you? in making this transition into being a new father?
1: Hardest thing is leaving the house. I want to be there. I want to see her first steps. I want to see everything. I mean, I'm waiting for that moment where she laughs. Like for the first time, I haven't heard her laugh. I've seen her smile. I don't know if it's for gas or because she's seeing me. And it's just, that's the hardest part. When I'm at work, I know that I'm doing it for her. I know that I'm working. I'm doing this for my daughter. I want to be there. I want to be able to hold her in my arms. I want to be able to take her to work with me. And I do with pictures. Both my screensavers have my my daughter. So every time I pick up my phone and, you know, as a human species now, we pick up our phones very much. (laughs) My laptop, my work laptop has a picture of my daughter. So it makes me miss her more, actually. But also it keeps her in my forefront of my mind. And I think that is especially the most hard. I could do the late nights. I could do the four hours of sleep, because I do it for work. So I could definitely do two hours of sleep if it was for my daughter. I know it'd be tough, but the toughest part is actually walking away, is not being there. Because I think that was the number one thing that I told myself since I was a kid, that I wasn't gonna be like my father. My father disappeared at four. And I mean, that was the one person that's supposed to love and care for you, to walk away and not be there. That was a very detrimental to me growing up. It stuck with me. And I know that I'm not leaving for selfish reasons. And I know I'm leaving to better her life. But the fact that I'm leaving, it hurts me every time. I want her to see me there. I want her when she looks up crying, she sees her dad. Like, man, this is the guy that's going to support me. He's always there. He's standing by my side. And I I got plenty of time. I know I'm thinking of the words, but that's how I feel inside. You know, I'm not, I don't think that constantly, but it's the feeling. Is that I got to walk away and I hate it.
0: I want to unpack that a little bit because you just made a, a statement that I think not just you have dealt with, but there's other fathers that are fathering in a way to forget some of the wrongs of their past and some of the things that their own father may have based on them in some way that the baggage, again, like I mentioned earlier, that they carry. Now that you are a new father, have you been able to reconcile any of that baggage with your own father? And if not, is that something that you hope to do in the future? There
1: was a moment in my life that I I didn't make very great decisions. And that was because I was a very angry person growing up. So I was uh, sexually molested when I was 15. And that's another fear. And I didn't mention it earlier because I just... It's a, something that I think every father fears maybe because if it could happen to me as a man and it's already happening so much to women, that scares me so much. And that right there caused me to hate my father so much because he wasn't there to explain to me what happened. He wasn't there to show me how to avoid those type of situations, and I blamed him, and I I was so angry, and then I started to blame God, and like why'd you give me to this person that that doesn't care about me, and then allow this to happen, and I've done a lot of things that out of anger that I wasn't proud of, but during after one of these major, I don't want to call it a mistake, because it was a decision that I made that I had to deal with with major consequences, which was nine years of prison. And within those nine years of prison, within the fifth year, I heard this video and it said that anger is like poison. You're drinking the poison, though. You're not poisoning the other person. You wish the other person to to die from this poison, but you're drinking it yourself and only killing yourself. So when that person has said that, I was in a mental state already where I was kind of locked up. I was moved, removed away from like emotional stress. And I was able to unpack that in my head. And that led me to the realization that, look, my father is just a human being. There is nothing this man could have done differently to change the circumstances around me. He could have, yeah, he could have told me things. He could have taught me a bunch of things. But it doesn't change the circumstances that I would have been in. It wouldn't change the environment I would have been in. I just still made my own decisions and he's just a man. He couldn't predict that. And so I reconciled with him as soon as I got out to the, to the dislike of many of my family members, because they haven't, you know, I haven't dealt with that themselves, but I'm like, look, I don't, I'm tired of hating. I'm tired of, of blaming others. What I got to do is for myself and my family. And when I found out that I was going to have this daughter, I was so like, jubilant, happy, ecstatic, because now I could do all the things that I thought a father should be. And hopefully it's enough, you know, because I can't change those things that are uncontrollable. Those things are going to happen or not. And I just hope that she knows that I'm supportive of her no matter what happens in her. And I'm there by her side always.
0: truly really appreciate you sharing that. It's uh, definitely a step moves you from pain to that acceptance and understanding that. I mean, being able to reconcile, I'm sure, lifted a burden for hopefully both of you to be able to move forward and be able to, as I said earlier, to be a better dad because you've been able to do that. Now, you talked about the fact that you had nine years in prison and at some point in time, that's going to come up. It's going to come up. You're going to talk about it. You're going to bring it up and have to have those conversations with your own daughter about the mistakes that you made in life that led you there. Have you thought about that? And how you think that you're going to be able to have those type of conversations?
1: Yes, I have thought of that. And Savannah and I have spoken about these things. And it's just, I haven't come up with an answer. I told Savannah, look, let's just keep it from her. I don't want her to know. And when she finds out, we'll, we'll get to it then. But I know that's not a good uh, route to take. Because then it's going to be like, hey, why are you hiding this from me? But I don't know how to explain to her. I just feel like I don't want to make it a normal thing either. And I don't want her to run and tell her friends, oh, yeah, my dad's in prison and this. And like, I don't want her spreading that in like my dad's cool kind of way because it isn't. <laughs> I don't have the answer of how I would do it. But I definitely have thought of just letting her know when she's like 14 and like on a birthday and be like, hey, I want to tell you a few things that I think you're old enough to hear now. Or like go with the moment. If I feel like the moment's ripe and we're bonding to use that moment. Like, I wish I would have the right answer then. them. And that's another is Like, is she going to reject me? She'd be like, what? Because my nephew, he thought I was in police academy when he was visiting me in prison. <laughs> my nephew was born the same year I was in prison. So he's only met me in prison for the first nine years of his life. And this whole that whole time he thought I was in a police academy. And I believe it was when he was seven. My brother's like, hey, I think it's about time we start telling Brian because he's starting to ask questions. And like he started noticing, hey, why do we have to do this when we go visit Uncle Jonathan? We gotta go through the checks and stuff. And it was a hard conversation because he was in the visiting room. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I used to be a bad guy because that's what you call them, cops and robbers. And like, oh, you catch the bad guys. And I'm like, you know what? No, (laughs) I didn't catch the bad guys. They caught me. I was the bad guy. And it's because I made a lot of wrong decisions out of anger. Like anger is the number one thing that I, I keep coming back to that I have been really working on myself with and I've gone a long way, but I know I still have a lot more to go. And hopefully that conversation goes like it went with my nephew because he is so lovable. He told me, don't worry, uncle, when I become a cop, I won't arrest you. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, that kid is the bomb <laughs> but I mean like he loves me so much and he his perspective of me did not change at all he loves me he misses me every time he sees me he gives me a big old hug and and I just hope my daughter is the same she's understanding and or she doesn't come up with her own narrative on how things went down and I would be able to explain that to her in a conversation or something
0: be points in time where you have those moments those moments that you have connection those moments where, There are concerns or things that have happened in your daughter's life that you may be able to relate back to your own experience and be able to say, this is what happened to me. And you don't want to go down that road and have those type of conversations about what you learned along the way. And maybe it's through stories. And maybe there's some ways to be able to build some stories together and teach her through story as she's getting older. And share some of those stories with her in a a trickle-down approach. You never know. I can't say that I had that same experience, but you definitely are right. I think if she finds out on her own, there may be more feelings of betrayal in the sense of not knowing you the way she thought she did. So I think you've got that right in that concern that you've got in your own mind. And It's not an easy thing to do an easy thing to talk about, but maybe there are other dads out there that you can connect with that have had the same experience and can talk about how they did it for themselves. And that may be something too down the road that you might be able to learn from other dads in that regard. But I do appreciate you sharing that. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our Fatherhood Five, where we ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? Uh, I'm ready. One word. What is fatherhood? Leadership. When was the time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to your daughter?
1: <laughs> well, it might sound silly, but when I first burped there, I'm like, man, I did it. I mean, like, I was so nervous about holding her and patting her back. Am I doing it too much? Or am I hurting her? And she let out this big old belch. I'm like, yes, I did it.
0: Let's think down the road, maybe seven, 10 years down the road, was to talk to your daughter then. How would you want her to describe you as a dad?
1: Supportive, loving. Kind and always there for her
0: why you to be a better dad
1: just my sense of family my own sense of family like i want our family i see so many fathers that fall short not because they're not doing the right things basically but because of that cycle and i don't want to carry that baggage that's what it is this baggage we all have baggage and i've seen time and time again how how fathers bring that into the mix and that inspires me because i want to Start the new cycle. I want to start a new cycle that shows that, look, we can do it. We can do this. We don't have to repeat the same mistakes our fathers make. I think that inspires me a lot that there's some just fathers out there that are doing fantastic things. Seeing them like you right now, this is inspiring. I mean, like, you are an inspiration because you're helping fathers and you're getting that information out. I would have never known this existed if it wasn't for me talking about my daughter with Brian. And Brian, as a father to a daughter, is like, hey, check this out. You know, Chris, he's doing great things. That's inspiring, seeing fathers getting together and just my own personal sense of family. Like, I really love that. That makes me feel so good that there's people out there pushing this issue forward. And it's really awesome.
0: You've given a lot of piece of advice today, things that you've learned along the way so far as a new dad, but also things that you've learned from other fathers. As we leave today, what's one piece of advice you'd want to give to every dad?
1: There's no way that you're a bad father. There's no way you're a bad father unless that's what you're going for. That is my advice. I know that sounds weird, but I thought before I had my baby that I, I was going to be a bad father because I'm a felon. I don't have a great career. I'm poor, bro. I'm going to be the worst father ever. Like, how can I be a great dad? But you're not a bad father for those things. You actually are a good father for worrying about those things because you're actively thinking about your kids and their welfare and their well-being, And that alone makes you a good father. Cause there's so many fathers out there that don't even care. They don't care. They don't want to think about their kids is they rather think about themselves and I feel like if you're thinking that, oh, I'm going to be a bad dad, you're on the right path. You're on the right path. If you think that you're going to be a bad father and you're worried about that, you're on the right path. Stop thinking that, though, because you're a great dad. And that's the number one advice I can give somebody.
0: Well, Jonathan, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sharing your story, for sharing your baggage that you are carrying into fatherhood and that you're working through in your own way. And I truly wish you all the best.
1: Thank you so much, Chris. And thank you for having me on here. This is awesome. I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) If you've enjoyed today's episode of the dads with daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the fatherhood insider. The fatherhood insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of fathering together. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the
1: same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time, we give the lessons we make the meals, we buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and musclemen Get out and be the world to them best dad you can be, be the best dad you can be.